Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, morning, everybody. This is the Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. Bonus episode time. It's time to go ahead and take care of all the episode or all, all the episodes, all of the stories we weren't able to get into the main podcast. And shockingly enough, there's actually quite a bit that is very, very interesting. I would have loved to have talked with the live chat, but alas, we didn't get a chance to. Starting with this interesting little story that's been updated now, Samsung is throttling the performance of over 10,000 apps. 10,000 apps. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> kind of concerning. Now, Samsung says they aren't responsible for this. Of course they're going to say they're not responsible for this. Would you want to admit that you're throttling over 10,000 apps? That'd be ludicrous. Of course you're not going to do that. So what's the story? What's the deal? At this point, we don't know. We just know that many various oddball apps are just being throttled down. The theory is that it's being caused by a feature called GOS, which I am quickly scanning this article in regards to, there it is, Samsung's game optimizing service. So it could in fact just be simple as the game optimizing service trying to throttle down games that it doesn't think are, or apps that aren't games, that are running in the background so that the game you're playing is running. But the thing is, is that it's going to be throttling these apps down when no game is running. So, and this, at this point, just based on Samsung's response here, it is most likely a bug, an accident. It's not intentional. Because let's be honest, if it was intentional, uh, Samsung wouldn't acknowledge the problem. Or they would just come up with some sort of BS excuse of, well, it's for the better user experience that we go ahead and throttle these apps that are vastly inferior as they leak into this, that, or the other. They come up with some BS excuse other than we're looking into it. We're looking into it means that we're going to be asking them later. So I have no reason to doubt that it isn't a bug. We will just have to wait and see. What is really disappointing, though, if you're an iPad user, is that Instagram says there just aren't enough iPad users to justify making a dedicated app for the iPad. What does this say about Instagram? Like, seriously, are you big or are you not big? I'm I'm honestly asking at this point because it seems bizarre. In fact, actually, real talk as far as like the traffic that um that Instagram gives, it is baffling to say the least. So a little bit of fun fact: I currently am doing a big push into. 
Trying to... Oh my god. Fortunate... Oh, I, I, I'm so glad none of that audio got into the podcast. I'm tr trying to go through to TikTok to get my stats. And then stuff started playing. This is why I hate TikTok. I don't know why kids like this thing. Because... For all the hype TikTok gets, and I'll talk about the TikTok story in just a bit. TikTok is just a kludgy mess the way it operates. But its algorithm does give a lot more... views for new content. In fact, actually, it's been notorious, the first post bump and... By the way, yeah, I definitely saw the first post bump. The first, first clip I uploaded, 200, 260 views. The second one, 82 views. The third one, 70 views. Fourth one, 64 views. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely seeing it. And granted, I'm posting up very abnormal content for, um, for TikTok. I'm posting up clips of my, of my Twitch channel. So you know. It's not your standard content. But I compare that to, say, YouTube Shorts. 57, 143, 5, 9 for some reason. Lately, the Shorts haven't been as good. I'm a little surprised by that. But the, um, the first couple of Shorts were pretty, pretty good. But I go to Instagram. Same content. Six, four, four, five. Like the way Instagram just operates just seems like they just don't care about their own growth. Like they have what they got and they just don't care for it to ever grow again, ever. Which honestly seems a bit bizarre. So for them to go ahead and say there just aren't enough, enough iPad users to justify making a dedicated iPad app, maybe you're just complacent. Maybe you shouldn't be looking at it like that. Like, oh, there aren't enough iPad users using our kludgy interface. Maybe there aren't enough people using your kludgy interface on the iPad because you have a kludgy interface on the iPad. Like, it's a chicken of the egg sort of th situation here. For example, our work, we don't have, we just go ahead and use a web app because, well, well, we're a little mom and pop business. We don't have the money to afford having a custom app being done. But the previous owner would have easily gone, well, not enough people use the internet to go ahead and justify trying to make a web presence. Well, not enough people are looking for us on the web because we don't have a web presence. There is that factor. But you know, what do I know? I'm just an average tech user. Speaking of kludgy things though, and I was talking a little bit a few minutes ago about TikTok, TikTok is planning on going after YouTube with longer 10-minute uploads. Now, 
I got to ask why. What is the end goal with this? Because TikTok is already useful just for getting videos, seeing the content. If it doesn't interest you, just swipe to the next. I will actually say, I, I still don't have TikTok installed on my phone. I just don't trust the app in the amount of data it has a history of mining. I don't think it's ever going to see see the light of the day on my phone. But that being said, I have used YouTube Shorts, which is the exact same thing except done by YouTube. I have accidentally burned like productive hours in a day. Just like chilling after work and just like swiping through aimless videos. Like, it is scary just how much time y you can make just vanish on a platform like TikTok. So why promote longer videos? This is what I don't get. Unless you're going to go ahead and um, on TikTok create a separate section for these longer videos... I don't really see the point. Because to be perfectly honest, I'm not going to commit a long amount of time to something unless I know the content I'm going to get is going to be good. Like in the case of firing up, you know, a video from Linus Tech Tips. I know the kind of content to expect. I respect their opinion. And I know I'm going to get something that's both entertaining and very informative or something that's just incredibly, incredibly stupid. That's pretty much the degree you expect from, from Linus Tech Tips. Let's be perfectly honest. There is no in-between with that guy at all. So, what is the end goal here at TikTok? And it's not like TikTok uses a follower-based model. That's the other thing. Very, very, very few people follow someone on TikTok. I only have four followers on TikTok. But I already have almost 300 views on an account that's existed for a week. You told someone on, that uh, you had that on YouTube, they wouldn't believe you at all. There's just no way. So I once again ask, what is the end game? And, and everyone's just speculating, oh man, this is TikTok going for the kill. Oh man, TikTok's gonna go ahead and go for the kill. They're going after YouTube. They're going after the king of video and they're gonna take down the king. Just you wait. Are they? Are, are, how, how, why, when, how? How are they gonna, with what? Like, I think this is a very, bad decision from TikTok. I'm just going to be perfectly honest. 
what they did very well was having really short videos. Having to be like, you, you know what TikTok is? TikTok is the potato chips of media consumption. YouTube is more like going to the fridge, making a sandwich, actually spending time to go ahead and prep that whole thing. TikTok is opening a bag of chips. But you don't hear about Doritos making a, making a sandwich spread or stuff like that, you know? It's, it's a bad analogy, I admit. I just don't think it's going to catch on nearly as well as people think. But who knows? It might work if, big if, they go ahead and separate it out. If there's a separate thread or, or a separate feed for long form content and the short form, easy to consume content. But I say this is someone that is, that has never installed the mobile client. Let's shift gears radically. Epic has bought Bandcamp. Yeah, I, I still don't know what to make of this. It's been days later. It's been almost a week later. And I have still no idea what to make of this story. Is this just a case of Epic Games wanting to go ahead and show that they are going to be about more than just video games? Or is there something else to this? I don't know what that something else is. But I mean, with the way that Epic Games has functioned, I immediately suspect something is afoot. Because almost always, Epic Games does something. Before when we thought, oh, hey, they're just going to go ahead and be a disruptive force and take Steam down a few pegs. And then what do they do? Oh, they just steal. Well, not really steal, but just pay out disgusting amounts of money to secure exclusivity deals to then just be anti-competitive. And it could just be my concern for that kind of behavior out of Epic Games that just makes me instantly suspicious of just about everything they do. I'll just be honest. Almost all the time when they do something like this, I'm instantly suspicious. I will say those who are more in the know in the music community were stunned by this move. For those who actually don't know, Bandcamp is an online music streaming service that revolves around DRM free purchases of MP3s, FLACs, and other 
audio files. FLACs are like MP3s, but much bigger and are much higher quality. And I know some audio files are going to be like, uh, FLACs are terrible compared to this format or that format. And it's like, just, I'm just going to keep listening to MP3s. Uh, but MP3s are garbage because this, that, and the other thing. I'm playing on my cell phone. All right, come on. <sighs> I know plenty of audio files that are great people, but man, the moment you find that snobbish audio file, you just... Oh God, your day is just ruined. It really, really is. All right, well, we had a good news story and unfortunately I ended up burying it because there were so many other stories. And of course, um, I don't know how long this is gonna be true. Graphic card prices drop 11% in February. Now what's happening is that the cost of cryptocurrency is going so far down that cryptocurrency miners that would use GPUs to mine Ethereum are now just selling off their cards. And you're seeing that used stock start to come in, which is now causing price of currently scalped cards to start dropping. In addition, some people have also reported they have been seeing retailers like Micro Center just actually starting to keep cards actually in stock at MSRP. So there's some signs that sanity is returning. But there is a problem. It's Russia. The war between Russia and Ukraine, and that's what it is. It is a war. We'll start pushing for the manufacture of weapons. And weapons, just like everything else in life nowadays, does take chips. And let's be perfectly honest. Who's the bigger customer and where is there going to be higher demand? In the weapons to fight off the Russians? Or, unfortunately, the weapons that Russia would buy to fight against the Ukrainians? Or in the GPU that I want to throw into my rig so that I'm no longer using a 1060? I hate to say it the war effort's gonna take the higher priority. And there's not a really whole lot I can do about it, despite the fact that I, that I really, 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 really do wish this war wasn't happening. In fact, most of us, if not all of us, wish this war wasn't happening. A large chunk of the world wishes this war wasn't happening. But alas, here's where we are. And unfortunately it is. 
And unfortunately, it's going to put a strain on the supply chain that is only just starting to heal. And even if the supply side of things starts lifting, the cost of logistics is going way up. Normally here in the Midwest, we see relatively affordable fuel prices. At the time of recording this, I have seen diesel fuel, which is what pretty much every single commercial vehicle for transport uses, up 40% from where it was ish we'd usually see anywhere between three dollars and 350 usually selling around the 320 mark we're seeing i just saw yesterday four dollars and 60 cents per gallon and for those who want to go ahead and have a quick estimation of that if you're across the pond in liters that would be approximately let me see here it'd be 4.6 that's divided by oh i know not divided by that actually multiplied by because there's it's 3.7 liters to a gallon so 4.6 times 3.7 wait no is that right no, I have it backwards. I had it right the first time. It's actually probably going to be nearly as bad because it's going to only end up 1.224 USD per liter. And actually, I hear across the pond, they have $2 a liter pretty frequently. At the same time... Across the pond, everything is much more dense. Countries are much smaller. The U.S., we have a lot of ground to cover to get things from ports to the rest of the country. It's one of the downfalls we had. Man, going ahead and actually doing this math really backfired on me, didn't it? I actually can only imagine how bad it is actually across the pond with the price of uh, gasoline or petrol, depending on what you want to call it, and diesel fuel. Let me actually look that up. UK diesel price. Records averaging one point six one euros per liter of diesel. Dang. Wow, and they're unleaded actually isn't too far behind either. Holy cow. For the record here, the diesel price I just gave of, of uh, $4.60. Our gasoline price at that same place was th was three ninety nine. So it was just at four four dollars a gallon dang 
Everything gets around either by a diesel truck, probably by a diesel or by a diesel train, maybe a coal train, most likely diesel, or by a freight ship, which probably also run, runs on diesel. What does a sh what does a giant uh what does a giant freight ship use for fuel? It's got to be diesel, right? Over to, over, over to Google. Freight ship engine. What kind of what kind of fuel do they use? Giant low speed Okay, it's it's diesel. I assumed it was. Because that made the most sense. So, I mean, good news, we start seeing the graphic card market start to start to heal. I'm telling you right now. For the reasons I have rambled off. Don't get too excited. I think maybe we'll be lucky and by the time that um, the 4000 series comes out, those cards will not be affected by any of this. But again, a lot of this is going to depend on what Russia does. All right, I'm thoroughly depressed. Let's talk about uh, AMD, ARM, and Intel backing a universal standard for chiplets. So what is chiplets? Chiplets is a fascinating little architecture that brought AMD back on the market. What it is is that they basically use smaller processors called chiplets and then use those with a what AMD calls the InfiniFabric to have those chiplets work as one. This is actually why AMD was able to go ahead and take smaller, more efficient processors and basically put them onto one package to operate as one bigger processor. This is the core of what Ryzen does and actually why Threadripper, which is Ryzen on steroids, so easily reaches up to the performance monster that it is. Now, right now, both ARM and Intel do not use a chiplet design, but Intel is looking into it. ARM, it's... Good luck figuring out what ARM is thinking. Because they are... They are just an enigma wrapped in a shadow revealing nothing. They are a very, very unique beast. Let me tell you. So I guess we'll just wait. 
and see what happens to this. Seeing everyone kind of get on board with one standard and the fact that AMD is on board with this universal standard as well kind of does show that the standard does in fact prove that it could be an excellent way going forward. Now, the other huge advantage with it being a universal standard is the fact that it is much, much, much easier for operating systems and for programs to utilize these sort of chips more efficiently. Remember when Windows 11 was coming out and it had a very, very hard time getting best performance out of AMD CPUs. This is one of the reasons why. Uh, it was because totally they were gonna go go ahead and um and and uh, um I um 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 I um they 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 were totally working with Intel to sabotage AMD because they were doing so well. Microsoft works with everyone. Like, come on. They knew Big Little was going to be the future, so they worked with Intel to make sure that their operating system that they hope not to update again for another 10 years is going to work perfectly for what is going to be the future. They were working with AMD too. After all, AMD processors did get fixed. Did they not? Now, finally, I'm going to go off the rails a little bit. I want to talk for a little bit about the announcement that was just made late last week and early this past week in regards to Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Now, the announcement we got told us almost nothing other than the graphics look uh, subpar on this early release tease which I mean, I'm disappointed in the way that Pokemon graphics are in the modern age, but at the same time, I do get it. There are over 800 Pokemon models that they have to nail. At some point, you do have to skimp on something. With that said, Sword and Shield really disappointed me on a couple of on a couple levels. One, the overall map was terrible. Everything, every single zone was forgettable. The routes to each town were boring. The only ones that mattered were the kind of open fields you'd kind of go along that would just scale with your level 
those were kind of cool, but were still kind of let downy because they were just procedurally generated. It was, it felt so unfinished and it was such a shame because the concept of having the gyms in these giant stadiums with the crowds cheering for you was amazing. The actual villainous team was very meh. And you know what's even funnier? The team that was pitched to us was Team Yell, and they're not even the villains. They're just fans, diehard fans from a hometown. That's it. You actually had a decent game going on where you didn't really truly have an evil team trying to like end the world or anything like that. And oddly enough, that was a bit of fresh air in the world of Pokemon. I would have been totally happy if it was just a bog standard, you're a Pokemon trainer trying to go ahead and become the very best and you're competing in these large sta stadiums and try to make a name for yourself. That was freaking, th that was great. I would have not mind if the only obstacle in your way was literally every other trainer, your competition, your rivals. That would have been totally fine. We don't always need a Team Rocket trying to be the Mafia to sell Pokemon for profit. We don't need a Team Aqua trying to flood the Earth because they're dumb, or a Team Magma trying to dry up the ocean because they're dumb, or a Team Galactic trying to rewrite the laws of reality because they foresaw the Jailer before the Jailer existed. We don't always need that. It's nice when it's when it's there and it's done well. But let's be honest. The evil team in Sun and Moon was just... Eh. The fact that... Actually, I take that back. The evil team... No, actually, the evil teams in Sun and Moon I actually did enjoy. I did enjoy the fact that the actual gangs in your way were just like pib squeaks and then when you got the real evil team and team skull was just brought along for the ride that they're just like man we're in over our heads i actually did enjoy that x and y though it's just like why they didn't need to be there and in sword and shield the evil team at the very end absolutely had no business being there the post-game villains were fine, though. Even though they had the dumbest hair in all of existence. But back to my point. I would rather have lower-end graphics than large chunks of the game being either missing, like just long routes that were clearly existing on the maps, ended up being 10 yards long, that's it. 
for about what would be eight meters. Look, when you see a, a, a stretch of road that looks like it extends like the whole length of the map and it's one screen, what's the point? They introduced camping as a method of rejuvenating your Pokemon on, on a long journey, but there was no long journey. The routes were short. There was no danger the whole time. Why? But again, with Scarlet and Violet, all we saw were subpar graphics and a picture of the three starting Pokemon. That's it. But what's being heavily hinted at is that these two games are going to be more open world. You know what? If they go ahead and try to blend the open worldness of Pokemon Legends Arceus, which at the time of recording this, I haven't played yet, but I have heard a lot of good things about it. And combine that with your standard sort of Pokemon journey where you can go ahead and complete the gyms in whatever order you want. Find all sorts of this, that's, and the other things you're going around. Stumble onto stuff Skyrim style. You know? It could be a very, very interesting game. But my concern emerges again. When this team has been working on this game for a little over two years at this point, and this will release basically three years out from when we got Sword and Shield. Gameplay must be the priority. If the graphics are subpar, I am okay with that. But don't just drop Sword and Shield in my lap and just say, good enough. Because Sword and Shield wasn't good enough. So, that is the stories we weren't able to get to in... Eagle Eyes on Tech. Now, as far as updates. Well, by the time this comes out, Eagle Eyes on Tech will be up on YouTube. It will be up there. The current plan Oh, excuse me. The current plan is that Eagle Eyes on Tech will air on the podcast platforms on Monday. This bonus episode will air on Tuesday. It used to go up on the same day as the main episode. 
I have unfortunately been falling behind on the on those duties because uh, work is hard. I am committing to having these episodes up on Tuesday at noon. These bonus episodes that you're hearing right now. But on YouTube, segment one will be up on Tuesday at noon. Segment two will be Wednesday at, at noon. Segment three. Or actually, I've been labeling them segment A, B, C, D. But you get the idea. The segments will all air at noon each day from Tuesday to Friday. Which will then put us just in time for the recording at twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon on Saturday, assuming there's nothing that keeps me from streaming on Saturday, like a prior obligation. That is the plan. I do plan on getting the early bird briefing up on YouTube as well. I don't know when those will air. Probably like, I'll say 9 a.m. each day on YouTube. Because the thing is that on my Discord, there's a ping that goes out. And I don't want to like ping people at like 2 a.m. I just don't. Besides, I would much rather people listen to the podcast on the podcasting platforms, but I also acknowledge that getting this content on YouTube is also very beneficial to the platform. To my platform, that is. So those are my plans right now. I have not heard anything from, excuse me, from Anchor or from, well, actually, no, just from, just from Anchor in regards to the ads updates, which I just don't get it. I just don't understand what's going on with them. But I have noticed a bit of a UI change when uploading the, ad, the uh, podcasts. It's very minor. But it is important to notice these changes because you never know when it's a sign that, well, I mean, it's a sign that work's being done. That's kind of what I'm getting at. That's always an important thing to keep an eye on. Anytime there's a UI change, it means they're working on something. There's a reason why they changed it, unless they're YouTube. Then they did it because they want to mess with you. YouTube always plays a psychological warfare game where they want to go ahead and just really just see what it takes to make your brain snap. Come to think of it, we're actually overdue for a YouTube UI change. Please no. Pretty please no. I don't need any more, okay, thanks. Although, oddly enough, here's a metrics info that's a little interesting to me. Early bird briefing. 5% of my users, 0 to 17 in age. 3%, 18 to 22. 37%, 23 to 27. 2%, 28 to 34. 50%, 35 to 44. 2%, 45 to 59. On Eagle Eyes on Tech, 0% 0 to 17, 
2% 18 to 22, 88% 23 to 27, 6% 28 to 34, 2% 35 to 44, and 3% 45 to 59. I just found it really interesting that the short form one seems to trend I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to take this info with. The only briefing actually has viewers that that are um, not adults yet. Which, I mean, I don't swear in any of it, so it's not like, oh no, you're, sw you're swearing to kids. How could you? So I mean, like my first instinct is just like, oh wow, the younger crowd's way more interested in, in the short form content of the early bird briefing. But I mean, the young adult segment of 23 to 27 makes up the overwhelming majority of Eagle Eyes on Tech, the long form content. So, man, I don't know what to take out around for those, uh, from those metrics, but it, it is fascinating to me. But that is going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening. And again, and check out our other stuff. Anchor.fm slash Eagle Eyes on Tech if you somehow are not listening to the main podcast. Anchor.fm slash Early B-I-R-B Briefing for our daily content. Twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon for my Twitch streams where we just, we just chat up. We talk about tech stuff and we talk about whatever silly game we're playing at the time. And of course, more stuff going on at YouTube.com slash Eagle Falcon as well. Take care and have a great day.